everybody, one and all. Welcome to another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy podcast. My name is Charles, and with me today, as always, is my lifelong friend and co-host, Dylan. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend, Charles. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend, Dylan, as well. (laughs) And today marks another end for us of a buddy read. Uh, Buddy read has come to a close, and it is um, Book of the Ancestor by Mark Lawrence. Friend of the show, Mark Lawrence. That's right. Official social media friend of the show, Mark Lawrence. It's Twitter official. It's formal. He is a formal social media friend declaration on, for both parties. So this is this is big for us, Charles. And uh, if our past episodes are any indication, Mark Lawrence might be listening right now. So uh, if he is, uh, well, hi, Mark. <laughs> Hello, Mark. Thank you for listening and thank you for your support. I'm, I'm yes. kind of sad that we're out of books now for Book of the Ancestor. Well, luckily, Mark Lawrence has published many other awesome novels and the like that we can check out, Charles. We are far, we might be done with Book of the Ancestor, but we are far from done with Mark Lawrence's awesome work in the fantasy and sci-fi genre. That's very true. There's hope yet. Um, But for now, we can enjoy the moment that is talking about Holy Sister, the third and final book of Book of the Ancestor, although I guess Bound is 2.5, but this is book three. It's fair to call it the third and final, Charles. I think that we uh, we have a real exciting conversation to have. Uh, I, I'm pumped to get into it. I do want to give a heads up that we'll be having spoilers for the Book of the Ancestor in this episode, as we do with our Buddy Read episodes. So uh, if you haven't yet gotten the chance to read Holy Sister or any of the other Book of the Ancestor books, then we highly recommend them check Mm -hmm. them out Uh, but you might want to turn this off in your headphones uh, (laughs) right now if you don't want any book of the ancestor spoilers that's true yeah if you haven't read any of the book of the ancestor books turn away now because we're talking about it all and uh dylan why don't you take why don't you kick off this conversation for us well I can get us started here charles i was figuring this is a book that it makes sense for us to go through chronologically basically we've got these pretty much two parallel stories that are told one takes place three years earlier uh, basically picks up right after the end of gray sister the second book in this series and then there's a present day timeline i figure we can pretty much do the same thing that mark lawrence does and and weave back and forth talk about the plot point see what comes up for us sound good sounds fair to me cool so we start off with this prologue where there's ring fighting going on and we see denim we're well aware of denim this big gerent which means that he's basically just a giant person who's really strong (laughs) and he's kind of mean-spirited dude and it's like oh who's gonna come up and face 
Denim and we're Marcus's perspective, who's an mm-hmm. empath. And he, then a challenger steps up, Charles, and uh, they are maybe almost six feet tall and they're going up against this probably nine foot or so giant. And who is it but none other than uh, Nona Gray? She's grown up quite a bit <laughs> since last we saw the, saw her. Indeed. You know, it's always fun when when we're so tight to one character's perspective, we get to see them from someone else's perspective. And, and this was a kind of a fun way for me to have this to have this uh, book kick off. You know, we're getting to see this figure approaching Denim. It's like this person is, you know, tall and, and lean and muscular but like way disproportionate to denim you know he, this person's not a garen it's like okay this person is clearly kind of outclassed in, in in terms of weight class and then it's revealed that it's nona and then we're like okay well how's she gonna <laughs> take him down <laughs> like that's what, what we're <laughs> it's like how is this gonna happen <laughs> uh well she hits him in the groin and nice. uh, that'll do it right and gave, later on gave him the old denim <laughs> the old denim yeah <laughs> yeah charles we have our in defense of Denna episode. Do you think that we're due for an in defense of denim episode? <laughs> well overdue. I mean, that was uh, you know, I don't know how honorable it is to hit below the belt, you know. <laughs> and yeah, then it's so- and then now it's called a instead of getting kicked in the groin, it's getting denimed. <laughs> Poor yeah. guy. But you know, he did get his uh, his moment of glory. You know, he he had an honorable end to his to his arc, as we know from the end of this book. So, right, it's still Rebuild tragic. That. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's still tragic. But um, <laughs> the guy, the guy fought well. I'll say. Yeah, good for Denim. Goes down, and Nona is victorious. We end up with this situation where then Nona's telling Marcus that she wants him on the crew for stealing books is the big Mm -hmm. event for the first maybe 100 pages or so of this book. Um, And then Marcus is like, yeah, sure. We're children of the cage. We basically grew up together. That's right. So then <laughs> they didn't spend that much time together, but he joins. Uh, we also find out that Nona and Regal have been intimate since way earlier in the last three years. Things have materialized there. Yeah. Yeah. So then back three years earlier, Zol and Nona are heading off on an adventure. Abyss Glass kind of sends them off with the ship art and... That's that's pretty much what's going on. In that right, story and I guess point. like this is a, a huge part of Mark Lawrence's style. I mean, since the first book, we've had um, you know time skips, you know, going back and forward in time. But I think this is the first one in the series where actually the narrative structure continually goes from current day to the past. You know, before we had these like moments right these like this one chapter halfway through or at the beginning or where we're in the future but this book is a lot more as you had said when you pitched this timey-wimey where we're going back and forth in time much more frequently so um yeah i it's interesting to see this style you know i have my mixed feelings about it but um 
he it's done uh, to a more successful degree here than I've seen previously, and you know I'm like, well, well let's see where this goes. It's all got to come to a head at some point, and um, like we know she's flash forwarding to the past, so we know she's like, it's not spoiling anything that like she's currently alive in present day, you know. Yeah, it can be tough. I think it was necessary because there was so much that we had to learn when it comes to the things that happened to Zol and Nona as we're moving through the story. I, What do you think, Charles? Do, would this have worked as well, better, worse, if things went more clearly chronological? Like if there was a three years earlier thing that went straight forward for half the book or so, and then there was a time jump? What, what do you think? Um, I mean, it's hard to say. Uh, my, you know, I, it's a tough job, like you said, because Mark Lawrence didn't want to reveal all the information at once. Like if you had told the story straight through, there would have been these key moments about how like the ship hearts work or how like the warps work or how, you know, our history, what we know about Zol and what we don't know about Zol, all these things. I think Mark Lawrence very clearly, like whatever the previously in known as yes. life chapter was, then when you go to present day, like that new information becomes immediately relevant. So I think what he's doing is by jumping back and forth in time, he's giving us what we need to know right before we need to know it. And that's how he's getting his story across. And it also helps keep some suspense because we're like, where's Zol in the future? And then Zol disappears. And then we think she's dead and then she's back, you know? So it's like, yeah. um, he's playing with the structure there. I think it's, you know, it's kind of fun. It's kind of sci-fi. We're going back and forth in time and, and um, it helps to keep the relevant information, you know, at the top always when you're reading the story as well. So in those in those areas, I get it. Um, there's just these moments of high action, like when Nona's fighting Yish, Yish. or when Zol Yish, and then like you know the Zol in the mix, and we're like, okay, well we know like there's no stakes here because Nona is alive. But I think that's the price. Oh uh, yeah, Charles. If that happened in the middle of the book, <laughs> otherwise you'd be very concerned Nona was going to yeah. die on page 140 <laughs> out of 315. Uh, so I see where it... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. the I mean, stakes you... of a main character death in a book this tight to it, it's happened, but I don't know how present that would have been otherwise anyway. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's kind of what Mark Lawrence was thinking when he was planning out the the chapter flow of the series you know it's like it's worth it's worth slightly undercutting that moment if at all to be able to just constantly keep the reader informed with what they need to know when they need to know it which i kind of appreciated going into it it may have made the narrative structure a little bit more like okay now there's going to be this whole thing obviously about warpoles or whatever or about zol or whatever but i was fine with it i was fine with it well said, Charles. I, and it's just the experience of reading Mark Lawrence. You can't read Mark Lawrence without jumping around in time, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's all part of it. And they definitely, there's a lot of world building that Mark is, Mark Lawrence is getting across. <laughs> I don't know if we're on a first name basis now. Like, I guess you call your friends by first names. But what about your social media friends, Charles? Who knows? So the. <laughs> all these lines. So, yeah. So anyway, we have Mark Lawrence dropping us a lot of world building that still needs to happen because things are going to get even more 
like sci-fi novel wrapped inside a fantasy novel as we move through this. So we kind of need to be uh, <laughs> weaned off the idea that this is a fantasy novel slowly but surely and right. be reminded that it's like, yeah, this is considered a fantasy novel, but there's going to be a lot of sci-fi stuff coming up for you. <laughs> right, especially compared to the previous installments of the series, too. It's like mm-hmm. we're finally going to kind of unveil the technology aspect of this setting that it leans more into sci-fi elements. So it's like, get ready, because we're transitioning into this. It's all going to come to a head at this moment inside like a spaceship control room or something. <laughs> so it's like getting to that moment and... um yeah, I, I think these flash to the past kind of serve as those moments of getting the pieces that we needed to inform the present day story. Exactly, Charles. And let's uh, let's jump back to the future or present day, really. <laughs> and we've got Nona passing the blade test stuff going on there. She ends up fighting against someone who's not the normal mistress blade. This. Sister Iron is who she fights against, but it had been Sister Tallow in the past. And we get another glimpse into the fact that Nona fights <laughs> fights angry. There's like a thing in in football, Charles, sometimes where mm-hmm. they'll say like a running back runs angry. <laughs> uh, I think Nona f- is like one of those running backs. She just <laughs> fights angry. She lo- looks different out there. So then... Uh, yeah, there's those moments where Sister Iron's like, I would not pass you because the way you're fighting is not the way of like the ancestor. You're too angry. And then Sister Tallow is like, well, she's my charge and I think she passed and we're going to need more people like her if we're going to make it through what's to come, you know? So a lot of these moments are like yeah well maybe normally this isn't how he would do things but this is pressing circumstances and this happens a couple times um in this book and i think that just goes to show you like how serious this eventual final battle was where it's like they all needed every chance they could get and like having um nona pass the uh the blade test albeit in unusual circumstances is interesting and it also is interesting you know we can talk about this moment later but it's interesting to think about this moment when she when nona chooses what kind of sister she wants to become right because she passed the blade test but um not in the traditional way so it's like oh i normally wouldn't have passed you so it's like is she a proper like red sister and then you have that moment where she's deciding which is a super interesting part of this book that we don't necessarily have to get into now (laughs) it's also interesting with the reveal later that abyss glass She's still running the show behind the scenes. Uh, It doesn't matter that she's dead by this point, which we find out soon in this narrative here. She has been pulling everyone's threads in a figurative, not literal sense, uh, because we know you can literally pull people's threads in uh, this novel. (laughs) But she has pretty much gotten everyone to promise to offer Nona at least we know she got Apple to promise to offer Nona the gray. So it wouldn't be shocking if she got Tallow to promise Nona the red as well. And that's maybe why she comes in there and says, hey, yeah, maybe she wouldn't pass by your thing, but I'm still here. So I guess I, Sister Tallow, am going to say she passes. And she's also got a great line in there where she's like, 
she's learned the important lessons. She hasn't always done things the normal way here, but she's always learned the things she had to when Ta- when Talos describing Nona. That is, so I I like that moment. It's it's nice. I think it's good for for Nona to have passed in an unorthodox way because she's such an unorthodox person. <laughs> Absolutely, and the, this is how she gets all of her power too, is through her rage and her anger and her um, acknowledging that side of herself is another huge theme of this book. So it's to get to that area, it, it, to get to pass the blade test in that way, it's no surprise because no, that's how Nona's always fought. And Nona also has to show her potential as a mystic sister to. Sister Pan, and she she basically ends up tripping, is what I felt like was <laughs> happening at this point. She's having all these memories, but they're not playing out in the same exact way that they actually played out. She'd be like, oh, was, wasn't it actually raining this day? That kind of stuff. We get to witness that Nona is there when Abyss Glass is passing away from probably an illness there's some there's some stuff in the narrative that implies maybe it could have been poison but i don't really buy that it was i think she just ended up dying and that's an interesting way for abyss glass to go i feel like mark lawrence could have tried to make something really dramatic out of it but that's never really who abyss glass was as a character she wasn't gonna die in a battle or anything like that so it makes sense she kind of had to get out of there because she is such a such a figure aware of how to run everything that if she's still there she's gonna be the hero of the story because she'll figure everything out and nona has to be the hero right and mark lawrence even kind of wrote her like breaks the news kind of off camera right it's like oh Mm -hmm. it's it's been different since abyss glass died and i was like what (laughs) when how so um the way he treated it was very interesting and then we get like the flashbacks to where nona remembers the conversations that they had and i think that's a large part in protecting some reveals and certain things like that but it also like you said took the spotlight off of abyss class because she's always been the planner and you need to get to this moment where nona has to make decisions for herself at the end she needs to decide like what am I going to do about, you know, manipulating this class thing? Like, who's going to make the decisions now with all this newfound power? Like, am I going to forgive these people or not? Am I going to show mercy or not? And if Glass was still alive, she'd be like, well, whatever Glass says, we'll do that. <laughs> so, yeah, like you said, it, it was a necessary uh, thing to have happened. For sure. And Abbas Glass, rest in peace. You are missed. She stole the show in Grey Sister. She had the best lines. (laughs) Yeah. So, all right. Well, moving forward, we're really moving back. Uh, (laughs) We go three years in the past. And and Nonan's all basically being chased by soldiers is what's going on. And Zol keeps divulging aspects of oh this is what the devils actually are they're things of the missing and we're starting to get an idea of oh did did the missing like go into the singularity or something (laughs) like that like they rid themselves of their flaws and it's interesting we start toying around with these ideas of what makes someone human in a way that you don't 
often get to to the same extent in fantasy novels. It feels more like a sci-fi thing, mm-hmm. but Lawrence gives us the best of both worlds here. Right, and like like you said, they're starting to experiment with these ideas, and it, I'm drawn to like you know they're they're talking about the demons and the purification process, and that all kind of starts getting introduced and thought out here. And there's this line where where Zol she's talking about like removing demons and stuff, and Nona's like, "You really do think you're the chosen one, like for real?" And Zol goes, uh, "Approaching divinity makes us all the same. If I am the chosen one, then at the heart of us, we all are." And that was an interesting line that at the moment I read it, I was like, "That sounds important," and I highlighted it. <laughs> and then like, it does, it does become important at the end, where it's like this idea of the closer you get to divinity, the more you kind of lose yourself and the parts of you that Your make humanity. you human, right? And that's when Nona decides to like keep those quote demon parts of her as part of her personality and it's kind of tragic as we see Zol approach divinity because we start to see even though Zol had you know very very reserved as an individual there were still these things that made her Zol and then Nona kind of cried over losing those pieces of her to divinity so it's a really interesting piece of what makes us human and it's all introduced here in this flashback moment and then there's a thing of the chosen one where they did end up both kind of picking up that role and then glass had that line at the end that was super good we'll get there Charles. We'll get don't there. get too we'll get there. On i just want to say I, I just wanted to say i noticed it mark lawrence i i picked up what you were putting down <laughs> <laughs> well we go back to more nona being tested on stuff oh we also st- steal a book with aura <laughs> during the, uh this back to the present bit and then Nona has to take the wire test and mm-hmm. that's that's a pretty fun interesting moment all of it comes down to again Nona passes the test but she passes it in a very unorthodox way because she does not have a shadow and though Apple has promised Abyss Glass that she'll offer Nona the gray she doesn't really think anyone without a shadow should be able to take the gray until after Nona shows that she can pass this wire test, which is basically like setting up these metal wire, I assume metal, um, Mm -hmm. these sharp wire things that are extremely dangerous, and we'll see those come back, Charles. Yep, yep, there's some foreshadowing there as well. Yeah, like you said, it's a fun test. There's a couple of these set-piece things that happen in the first half of this book where there's like heist elements and there's these action elements. They're kind of, you know, they're like fun reads, but they're very like, you know, kind of almost kooky a little bit how they... They're like, well, that was a weird thing we just experienced, you know, like that was wild. Like this whole thing of like now we're dodging wires that are kind of like lasers and we're like, now we're doing, now we're like trying to steal a thing you know, in this room and now we're like going through this vision quest, you know, so it's like all this stuff is happening. A lot goes on in this relatively small for a fantasy books, um, like page count. <laughs> yeah, it's, sho- it's a shockingly quick read, and I think you're touching on what might be the word of the day here for Mark Lawrence, which is balance. He somehow balances these fancy and sci-fi elements, but he also balances those zany bits that you're mentioning. Charles, we've been talking about this for many episodes now. Balances these zanier bits, like when they put Yisht in a barrel, and 
when they uh hey, come on charles i gave you the <laughs> they I put you the yisht in a barrel <laughs> thank you charles thank you didn't want to interrupt so, you <laughs> <laughs> please ne- it's never stopped you before so <laughs> they have these zanier bits like when they put yisht in a barrel and also some of these tests that although they're dangerous and totally belong in this gritty modern fantasy book they i don't know they managed to keep their their fun and i'm very impressed by that yeah yeah for sure and they're always like creative and unique also they're always these like story elements action pieces that you kind of have to like mark lawrence is inventing them and then setting the stakes with them so you're like picturing this in your head you're picturing something like okay she's like dodging lasers like mission impossible kind of style but she's it's also a race and you know those kind of moments also is what makes it kind of a fun reading experience yeah it's part of what makes it so different from you know, we've both read the Broken Empire, and that gets mm-hmm. labeled as grimdark all the time. But I very rarely see anyone label Book of the Ancestor as grimdark because, while pretty messed up things happen in this series, it never has that hopelessness to it or that cynicism to it where it would get labeled as grimdark. So I think Lawrence takes all of these great aspects of the gritty dark fantasy stuff he was throwing into broken empire and says well i'll I'll take what i want from that but i'm gonna mix it up in here Mm -hmm. so yeah enjoying all that for sure we we keep rolling uh back in the i think we're still in the present here at that point where Nona ends up wanting to steal eye drops as a part of this whole, we're stealing books, I'm going to have to disguise myself, or they're going to know it's me because I have fully black eyes and I'm pretty recognizable. So these eye drops that Apple has can help her get past that barrier. And we find out it was a little more vain than that from Nona. She wanted to be quote unquote normal. So she sneaks in, try to get that, and so does Joelle sneak in at the same time. And we know Joelle from the previous book and from uh, just all these awful things that she's yeah. pretty much always doing. Right. And she's just one of the other characters that is kind of the spoiled rich kid who's always oppo- opposing Nona. And I said, Nona gets pepper sprayed. But uh, <laughs> basically, <laughs> uh, Joelle pretends to be throwing a poisonous gas. And no- Nona's freaking out that she's about to die. And it turns out that it's just pepper. But Nona pretty much destroys Apple's little lab in <laughs> all of this commotion. And yeah, that's that's pretty much what went down. She wasn't able to get the eye drops because of all of that, Charles. Or she did she get them, them but she they broke. broke yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then they end up stealing. Oh, sorry. We got to go back to the past, Charles. Don't, <laughs> don't get ahead of me here. Uh, 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 pretty much just more of the world building stuff that we're talking about and known in soul keep adventuring and they get to this point where they can tunnel into black ice we'll go back there because we got to go steal the book charles in the present we're stealing the book that's from right the monks yeah 
What you Books think ain't gonna steal themselves. No, they're not. Um, I, I thought it was fun. You know, you know, like we. This is like the second or third heist we've done as part of as part of this whole plan that Nona had arranged with Glass, and you know, we they've got the crew together. The the, the dynamic of all the friendships are fun. Um. And you get to see this new setting, this fancy library. They're trying to use marginal powers and like empath powers and to get into um, this library. But what makes it interesting is that they almost pretty much fail completely. <laughs> and that was uh, a fun change of pace to see that play out where it's like everything kind of, um, you know, stuff hit the fan. And they just had to like brute force their way out of it. And uh, um, they caused quite a bit of disruption. And it's hard to say if that was uh, intentional or not. <laughs> but it was, um, you know, a fun way to spice up. It's like, okay, I'm writing another heist moment. It's like maybe this time they can, like, not be as successful and, and just barely make it out of there. And that's kind of what we got with this one. Mm-hmm. And Charles, you mentioned the that might be intentional bit. It's because we know that all of this book stealing is is just a distraction from all the other stuff that they're trying to pull off, which is to get into the arc. So they right. want Shirzal, Shirzal. Yeah, they want Shirzal to be able to think that they are grabbing a book that has some secret where she'll be able to control the moon. Right. And that way she'll bring them into the arc. So we're doing all of this just to trick Shirzal. It's part of the long game, yeah. It's to make them think they have the answers in this book. Mm. And yeah, exactly right. Yeah. And we find out at this point there is a mole who is feeding information. Yeah, and they wanted to fail on purpose and they thought, you know, there might be multiple moles and that was kind of the point. You know, but they like, didn't want to get the book. They did want to actually take the book so that Shirzal had a reason to capture them and bring them to the yeah. Ark. But um, I think, you know, getting kind of caught, getting suspicion put on them was a part of the plan. But I didn't think Nona wanted it to go as badly yeah. as it went. <laughs> yeah. I think they were cool with just getting out of there undetected. Yeah. I mean, the real plan, it seems like, was to get Marcus in there who's a little bit of an outsider so maybe he would feed information he's shown some signs in the past of mm-hmm. they considered uh, being a it a little bit yeah. yeah and then Joelle they pretty much just like talk about it in hushed whispers but just loud enough for Joelle to catch wind of what they're doing so it seems in the moment when you're reading those you're like come on do it like do we need to talk about this and with Joelle there, like you can't find any private spot with no Joelle around. But in reality, that was all part of the plan, Charles. Right, indeed. So then we end up heading to the Black Ice with Zol, which is basically some sort of mechanism that contains all of these, uh, all of these devils that have been or demons. That have been taken excised. out, excised, <laughs> sure, exercised, right? Uh, so all of them have been taken out. These are assumedly the flaws, or it's like, yeah, flaws maybe is the best word for it, of the missing. 
And they're basically like Keote. If you remember Keote from the Who could forget from Keote? Grey Sister. Who could forget Keote? He he is sorely missed <laughs> during this. <laughs> he gets his little moments though. Yeah. So he definitely gets shout outs and maybe he played a role in helping Nona in the end. Who's to maybe. say? Maybe. Who's I like to think he did, but uh who is to say? Yeah, I think we'll well we'll get right to that moment soon because they end up running into Yisht. And there's this pretty dramatic battle scene, you know, Yish can see into the near future, at least when it comes well, to Well, she can actions. see what people are, yes. how people are going to react in the short term, right? Yeah, so she can see the short game. Uh, I think there's a line where Noah's like, yeah, Yish sees the short game as well as Abbas Glass saw the long game. So... <laughs> Yeah, Yish could be great at checkers. She could see your next move directly, but that doesn't mean she knows your strategy behind why you're making that move. And Abyss Glass, uh, more of a chess player here. And yeah. So Yish is able to basically toss toss Zol down into a, a void. And we think, oh, maybe Zol's gone. At this right, point. and I kind of suspected that at this moment because I'm like, well, we know Zol's not in the, the people yeah. aren't in the modern day. Like, where's Zol? <laughs> she's like, she's just gone. So I'm like, it could be very likely that she gets killed in this moment, and I pretty much was believing that. Yeah, and he wants you to. He does jump back to the present for a bit, and they're like, we miss Zol. Yeah, all of a sudden, all of a sudden they're talking about Zol. Yeah, again. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this idea of only giving you the information when it's ready to be presented, you know? Exactly. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> now that Zol's gone, these characters can start lamenting about Zol again. So, um, <laughs> right. Really did believe she was gone there for a moment. So eventually, Charles, Yona... Uh, Yona? Yona. <laughs> That's... <laughs> Half half Yisht and half Nona. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yona. Um, <laughs> anyway, we get this moment where Nona is able to trick Yisht using the fact that really all Yisht can see into the future is human action. She sets up this elaborate sort of trap with throwing right. stars. Well, also, and then in the last flash. Back, you know, last three years earlier, they had that whole thing. They're navigating the caves and like, oh, watch out for the like steam explosions. Like they'll yeah. get you. And then it's like, okay, <laughs> like you can kind of predict them if you know what you're doing. And so um, Nona being the fast learner that she is, again, used the throwing star diversion, used the backing away diversions where it's like, mm-hmm. I know what you're doing. Like you can't stop me. But she could not see that big old thing of steam or whatever coming her way and uh well said charles yes <laughs> yeah so and yisht has pretty much gone full ramel taxis at this point full of demons yes i cannot <laughs> be killed remember? yada yada, yeah. yada we've heard all that before uh, <laughs> so and <laughs> it's not as good as when ramel says they won't let me yeah. <laughs> like i can't die they won't yeah. let me but yisht is like can't be killed 
probably having a pretty torturous existence. And you know what, Charles? They put Yisht out of her misery. <laughs> I was gonna say we've we've come a long way with Nona and Yisht from the uh, from the barrel days, the good old barrel <laughs> days. You know, we've all kind of grown up since then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And at this point. You know, Yish tries to stop it, but she puts a hand in the way. Hand goes bye bye, and then head goes bye bye when <laughs> when uh, Nona slices Yish. And and I think there's that moment where Yish, I forget what it's called, but it's basically a sword, right? Yeah, the Skirthal or something like that. Yeah, that thing flies from Yish's hand. I forget what the name of it. Yeah, either way. Uh, the weapon flies from Yisht's hand, and we think, oh, is Kyot involved in that? Who knows? Kyot right. redemption arc, Charles? Right, and then it's like, then the last demon hung out for a second, and then she's like, Kyot? And then it went away. <laughs> and you're like, that's an interesting moment. <laughs> it's like, we'll never know, I guess. <laughs> but well, we miss you, Kyot. Who we... knows what became of Kyot in the end? Probably still. <laughs> All right. Well, then we go back to the present, and Nona gets offered basically all of the different kinds of sister that she could be, and right, she has earned it at this point. Something interesting happens right before this, though, right? The oh. bell rings, Bytel rings, right? And then they're all waking up, and, you know, Nona's like, Where's Jula? And, she, like, while all the while everyone's kind of gathering, Nona's recalling her last moments with Abbas Glass, right? And Abbas Glass is like, um, I'll meet my son again in the ancestor, so don't cry, Nona Gray. And then she says, The fight matters, but in the end it is never truly won or lost, and victory lies in discovering that we are bigger than it is. And that's what she's recollecting when she goes into this moment which we also know was a promise that she made to abbas class so again this was a huge theme at the end of the book right where Mm -hmm. it's like you know you know we fight battles we do what we can but it's never really about winning or losing the true victory is in knowing that we just play a bigger role in you know whatever it is to be human and to be in this in this world, you know, there's more faith aspect of it. And uh, I think that's just an interesting thing to know going into this scene. Great call, Charles. Glad you threw that in there because that's important for why Nona ends up taking the black of the Holy Sister despite having all these other options. And then Sister Wheel, who has... I think she's been portrayed really well because she kind of plays this like, oh, you're the teacher that's mean to our main character role, Mm -hmm. but it all comes from a place of she's just extremely pious and there's no weird hypocrisy that is going to be revealed at some point behind all that. No, she's just got a ton of faith and once nona ends up taking the black of the holy sister which basically means that she's prioritizing faith above everything else then now sister wheel is like oh okay (laughs) nona i i see you right Uh, i thought this was a great opera a great moment an interesting character development because i was like oh you know that is a great statement it's like 
um, when she was taking the test. She's an unusual tool for violence. And then we know from this quote that like it's not necessarily about the battles we've won or lost. It's about understanding that we play a greater role in everything. And I think Nona making that decision to prioritize like uh, faith and maybe even this piece of like, you know, this... I'm more than just my ability to use my rage to kill people by taking the black. She's kind of acknowledging a piece of that. And, uh, you know, it gets Wheel's attention. And it's a very interesting moment. And then this is, of course, like, and in war times, I get a sword anyway. So (laughs) may as well just take the black. And I'm like, that makes sense. (laughs) Very pragmatic, as we like to say. (laughs) 100%. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well. Back in the past, Zol and Nona break out of the black ice. Uh, you know, Zol's still alive, and there's ship hearts being wielded and all that kind of stuff. Then we're back to the present, and Sweet Mercy is going to war, and they plan on showing none, Charles. And that's N O N E and N U N for you. <laughs> so then. We're all red sisters now, is what I wrote in the outline, as you were saying, Charles. uh, When war breaks out, uh, everyone's got to wield their swords who can. And the one exception maybe to that is, or seemingly at first, Ara, who Mm -hmm. Nona is able to convince Wheel should stay behind uh, so that she can guard all the novices. And we get to see what happens when Wheel suddenly sees Nona as someone who is prioritizing faith. All of a sudden, Nona's suggestions are taken a little more seriously. Yeah, exactly. And she also and, suggested, let's not leave yes. the ship part here. Let's march exactly. with it and keep Ara here under the guise of defending it when she's and when she's defending the novices as well, which is all part of this long game. Exactly right. Right. And... Nona gets to reflect on, oh, Abbas Glass, this is what you were predicting. You knew who'd be the next Abbas. You knew I needed to have them on my side. So, you know, Abbas Glass still stealing the show a little bit uh, from the grave here. (laughs) And she'll continue to steal the show. She's not done yet. (laughs) Uh, Far from it, Charles. And uh, we're not done yet either because uh, we have to talk about how Nona, uh, Kettle, and was it Gainey? Another yeah, person. Yeah, a bunch of them. It, they end up going behind enemy lines, Charles, because there's so many Skithroll coming for so many. Verity at mm-hmm. this point. I mean, just an ocean of Skithroll. And it's starting to feel like one of these last stands that we often get in fantasy novels where our heroes, all they can hope to do, a la like 300. Uh, with the you know when the spartans are going up against just the masses of persian warriors it's kind of that feel to it where yeah they might be better warriors or whatever but there's so freaking many skithril that there's not a lot we can do besides maybe like go behind enemy lines and do something there's a trap already set where there's a battle mage person uh, we get some interesting stuff where, like, Nona pushes <laughs> the mage off the path, <laughs> which is kind of fun. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. But then we get... It's what also is my... setting up... 
But it's also yeah, setting up a bigger reveal for a certain nun in the future, and we can wait on that. But we're learning more about well, how path energy is stored. Yeah, and this how much like by taking, you know, 20 steps is like a huge deal, you know, and how you can be anywhere and everywhere. You know, we're learning all this. We're being reminded, I would say, all this stuff about yeah. the path. And that kind of pays off later on. Yeah, I think everything... We didn't know you could push someone from it, really, but the clues uh, of those kind of things were there enough already. And we get this moment where there's all, like, there's a bunch of these mage, I forget the name of them, Charles, I didn't write it down, but... The Fist? Uh, the Fist. The Fist. You nailed it, Charles. <laughs> so, the Fist, which are a bunch of elite mages who can walk the path as well, and do all sorts of interesting magic and we're we're looking like we're in trouble here because <laughs> i mean even if it weren't for the skithril masses that's that's a tough crew to be facing and we kind of get this for sure like, they're like super famous they're super dangerous they you know are like they're the right hand force right of this war queen and now they're finally at the gates of the of the city so yeah big exactly. deal big problem and when you got a big problem, you need a big solution, Charles. And luckily, Sister Pan has a big solution in mind. <laughs> we've From Red Sister, we've been told over and over again, because I've been watching this on the reread, we keep <laughs> getting told, oh, Sister Pan hasn't walked the path in decades. And it's like, uh, my reread, I was like, I see you, Mark Lawrence, because... <laughs> that has been <laughs> built so well where, oh, she's this master. She's done all these amazing things, but she's too old. She can't walk the path anymore. <laughs> and who said she can't walk the path anymore, Charles? Because she's been walking it that <laughs> entire time and saving up all of this energy that she <laughs> finally releases in one giant blow of path energy that wipes out the entire fist. <laughs> Obliterates and thousands, the fist. <laughs> yes. And thousands oh. of Skithral. <laughs> and it's an amazing, you know, Sister Pan's 104 years old, all those kind of things. And she's kind of taken the role of this, like, comic relief for so long of like oh she calls nona nina she can't remember anything but she right and abbas wheel is like you should busy. stay back and she's like i can't stay back i yeah. know what i gotta do you know like, <laughs> she's like, i got one more trick in the left in the in these old yes. bones <laughs> you know and then you're just like rolling your eyes like oh, okay like she's gonna do her sassy old lady thing which turns out to be oh remember how taking 20 steps on the path is super insane yeah. and crazy uh, I've taken countless over the past, you know, several decades, and uh, here you go. Bye-bye. And she just obliterates everyone. <laughs> and even the fist recognized her, like, oh, Sister Pen, one of them used yeah. to be one of the most impressive pathwalkers or whatever. Like, here's your chance to, like, go away. And she's like, nah. <laughs> There's a few good things that like, come in that moment, Charles, right before it, where they're like, Oh, have you brought a champion? Because Nona's <laughs> still hanging around at that point. And she's like, Nina is just a little child. Like, <laughs> she should be running now. <laughs> right. And then, yeah. 
And then there's also a moment where she's like, oh, I can still walk the path. That stuff's not true. And they're like, oh, you can still take a couple steps at your age. <laughs> it's like, I can take a few more than that. Yeah. So She's like, it's true. I haven't reached the path since before the girl beside me was a twinkle in her father's eye. And then it's like, I haven't reached the path in 20 years because in all that time, I never left it. And it's like, run now. <laughs> and then, yeah. you know, like that hat stuff happened. So that was super fun. She's like nuked herself, which was cool. <laughs> right but so, even yeah, with that that, that was a huge mm -hmm. me too so that's a huge blow against the skith roll but there's still so many of them left charles that we're we're gonna need more than sister pan and uh, we get some interesting mag like expanding on the magic system that goes on once the fight really starts breaking out charles we get these moments where like nona will use her uh, her uh thread bonds to jump into a kettle and use her flaw blade powers despite being in someone else yeah because yeah. we've seen a little bit like inbound even where it's like what happens if i walk the path while like yep. being thread bound in your body and it turns out that like the powers transfer to both people so i guess what lawrence is now establishing in the way this like thread bonding like transfer of magic works is that nodan can basically create flaw blades uh, flaw blades in every individual that she's thread bonded to and we see this description of kettle with this one long singular flaw blade in each hand and this like dripping with blood and that's how you could tell yeah. how long they were and it was like a very wild like um action moment i could just picture kettle with like this massive long blade on her coming out of her hand very cinematic charles yes and we have nona is using i believe the marginal ship heart so it makes sense that her flaw blades are kind of super powered yeah or she's near the marginal ship heart and right. that time's holding it. Right. Uh, so that stuff is fun. We basically get some of these moments throughout that uh, I won't go back to them too much where we see the fighting from Kettle's perspective or other folks. And it's like, oh, things are dire. Again, sort of this 300 feel to it where the nuns are very skilled, but they're outnumbered. So then... We get this moment right after the Sister Pan thing where Ruli and Jula in the wake of it have been captured and Shirzal has taken them to the Ark to torture the information out of them. Yep, all part of the plan. All part of the plan. So then Nona decides she's going to save them, but then... It turns out that all the stuff we've been seeing since the beginning of the entire series, where the Taxis forces are marching on Sweet Mercy, is playing out now. We've caught yes, up. Yes, we have so, caught up. Big moment. You know, we had quoted, you had quoted these lines in our in our other um, episodes, and, and then they dropped the line again. So it's like, yes, we're now at this moment where it's like, I've always been on your side, Claire. You've just never realized yeah. it. And it's like, oh. We're here. It's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And these have always been, for me, the most exciting part of the story. Yeah. Whether, I mean, it makes sense that the most exciting part of the story is the last, maybe, I don't know what it is in this book, like 100 pages or so, where we 
the climax of the whole series be the most exciting thing. Yeah, it's pretty fair. (laughs) Yeah. So that's what we're looking for. But we've kind of gotten teases of it, which you don't always get (laughs) in advance of the epic conclusion or climax of the entire trilogy. Right. So we've been champing at the bit over here, Charles, to catch up. And finally we have. So we get this moment where Nona takes the transporter, which was revealed as part of all the world building stuff happening back in the Zol and Nona time. Yep. Uh, So Nona takes the transporter back to Sweet Mercy, and she's going to have to try to save Aura because Aura has gotten surrounded and will eventually take a spear uh, a la Clara. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I thought that was kind of an interesting moment where, you know, Nona's talking to Ruli and Ruli's like, please save us. I'm not as strong as you. And Nona's like, okay, okay, I'm, I'm coming. And it's like, oh, wait, what's that? Ara needs help. Um, I'll be right back. <laughs> like, like, Just ha- hang out. You know, I know you're getting tortured or whatever, but you, be cool. And then she, she runs off and I was like, oh man, poor Ruli. But I understand, you know, it's, the stakes are pretty high. She's, re- she's figured out the, um, the game the taxes are playing right now and then she realized she deliberately put she accidentally by making Ara stay behind put her in danger so she feels the kind of the weight of responsibility for that and she's panicking of course because we know um, Nona loves friendships and Ara is her closest friend so this is like a huge deal so hang on really we'll, we'll, we'll come back but we, we gotta like balance things right now so she uses the arc and she Goes and takes on Clara back at this moment. Tough sitch for Rolly. Yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate. So we get that moment with Clara and Nona, and Nona basically tells Clara, hey, lead them all into the tunnels, the caves here, uh, but I need you to come in in the lead. Right. And <laughs> we, we get some of Nona dealing with her demons quite literally where she's doubting uh, will Clara actually listen does Aura even like me all that stuff is going through Nona's head because she's been holding the ship heart and it's loosed her demons and they've taken voice so it's even more impressive this time around where we see Nona is doing all these things despite the fact that she's got her own flaws with voices screaming at her to do worse things basically and i i grabbed a quote here that i really like which is they told her that in her place aura would run and nona believed them it goes on say nona clung to the simplest of her truths it doesn't matter what she thinks of me it doesn't matter if she hates me she's my friend i i won't leave her Right. And that's always been, as you said, Noah prioritizes friendship. Right. That's always been at the core. It's her right. simplest. Of and it's truths, important to know that that that's her demons from work from carrying the ship heart around from battle to battle. That's kind of bringing those thoughts into yes. her brain. So these are like the amplified negative pieces of her personality, telling her like, "Oh, Ara would run. She doesn't care about you because she's rich and you're poor." You know, like all building up on all, all her insecurities. And she's like, "It doesn't matter because I care about Ara." And that's kind of an important um, realization there, I guess. Although I guess it's not really realization because she's always felt that way. But it's an important thing to be explicitly stated at this moment. (laughs) Right. It's what makes us buy that Nona is 
able to overcome her demons in this moment is yes. that this is and always has been the simplest of known as truths. Well said. Well said. So then we kind of have these moments where Clara does lead the Taxis as planned into the tunnels along with the Noiguin and uh, she does come in the lead, as she said she would. Nona kind of grabs her foot and brings her down to a lower level, and Nona has this whole thing set up where she's going to flood the tunnels and use that to kill uh, Lano. It's uh, the Taxis that's still left. Lano Taxis. Yes, Lano Taxis. Um, Lano Taxis and all these Noiguin. There's kind of a chase scene and we get some fun i've missed clara i don't know about you charles i was gonna say like clara i i kind of wish we had more clara moments i mean the book would have been longer if we were trying to build up clara stuff but um i think lawrence decided to deliberately not have her be a pov and to see to like what is she gonna do how is nona gonna see this like you know those moments but like you said when clara does come back in the mix it's funny there's this moment where they're um they're like the Noigun are catching up or the water's catching up. Yeah. And the Ara and Nona are all wounded and like limping along. And Claire's like running ahead and then kind of being like looking behind her like, oh, come on. And she's like, run you. And she's B words. <laughs> you know, like. Nailed it, Charles. <laughs> keeping that keeping clean rating. Clean. Man, but it was, she's like, run. You know, you know Clara does not keep a, a family friendly <laughs> rating for sure. But that's no. what we like about her, you know. Um, yeah, just so much fun. And uh, she's cracking jokes, she's yeah. cussing, and she's also being the most kind of pragmatic about this thing. She's, like, literally considering, like, leaving them behind. Yeah. <laughs> she's, like, right around the corner, like, looking back, like, if you guys don't hurry up, I'm leaving. <laughs> it, was, it was fun. Dude, yeah, Clara is my favorite. I think I said that even in my friend's pitching fantasy to you when I pitched this. It's yeah. like, I know I've said such great like praising things about Nona as a protagonist but she's not even my favorite character in the series (laughs) which is Clara and the Clara's voice is so strong I think Mm -hmm. that's the thing I most like about her is Lawrence probably would never even have to write said Clara after any line of dialogue and you'd know it was Clara saying it because of (laughs) <laughs> how clear her voice comes through when she's talking. So we've missed you, Clara. We know why you've been gone, but we're glad you're finally back. And and so is Nona. So we end up getting our three heroes, <laughs> if, you, if you can call, call Clara a hero, maybe an anti-hero, Charles. Mm-hmm. Um, they escape through the portal and we're back to the Ark where Shirzal is in the middle of uh, like a Bond villain she's been saying her entire plot (laughs) absolutely yep and then of course Ruli has unfortunately been tortured much more considerably than the last time Nona was there and they're like you know getting to the point where you know uh, Jewel is starting to give in to the torturing and explain Jewel some is stuff completely broken yeah. by this point yeah yeah so (laughs) you're being generous (laughs) with your handling of her (laughs) And, uh, yeah, Nona finally confronts them, and there's this whole endgame piece reveal. No, 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 she doesn't confront them. She 
she takes over Ruli's body. Yes. And that's how she confronts them. And then she again uses that um, marginal power of the flaw blades. Right. Well, there's a lot to follow here. There's a point where Nona is controlling Ruli's body. Uh, uh, Who knows where Ruli's at? But Ruli's just glad to not be in her own body right now. She's kind of hiding in the abyss. (laughs) Right. And Nona and Ara are running, meaning their bodies are running. uh, And Ara's self, whatever that is, uh, is controlling Nona's body and dragging Ara's body along because Ara's injured. (laughs) So, and Nona can basically see on this like sort of satellite thing. It's hard to tell what was going on at that point with the technology, but Nona is able to see using this technology thing, like her own body running toward them at one point. So we're, uh, we're getting some of the nuances of how this magic system can work and in conjunction with how the technology can work. So we're, we're really getting this combination this amalgamation, if you will, Charles, of sci-fi and fantasy from Mark Lawrence in yeah. full force by the end. He's like, I've been teaching you this whole time. Now it's time to see how far we can go with it. And this is kind of the extent here where we've got like all these different like mind-sharing, body-moving, power transfer, end-game reveal things all happening at the same time. And you're like, whoa, a lot of stuff's going on right now. <laughs> it's pretty wild. Yeah. But very appropriate for like the rising action of, of the whole series. Yeah, and these cham- the chambers and stuff around the arc, Charles, is all teched out, right? You could yes. just say lights on, and the lights go on. And they're fluorescent and, and lights. lights. Yeah, 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 they're lights like we're used to yeah and they <laughs> there's all sorts of other stuff there's some sort of switch that Shazal can flip and it shows everyone the threads which is pretty interesting i'm like is this a simulation <laughs> but <laughs> it does make you wonder exactly what's going on with the tech behind all of the thread work and stuff like that but the whole place is straight out of a sci-fi novel, but it's fun watching our characters who are straight out of a fantasy novel try to like see what's going on in this strange sci-fi world. It's like funny watching Clara look through this glass window thing is how they describe yeah. it that yeah. shows like, almost like a tv a rectangle shaped on. thing that was yeah. shining like that was shining light like she'd never seen before you know yeah. describing fluorescent lighting or whatever yeah yeah and uh this was a strength in um, mark lawrence other series the broken empire that we've read right. off the show where it's like describing technology through the perspective of someone like who's in a more medievally advanced technological society. So they're like, whoa, what is this? What's a screen? What's a light? What's a switch? You know, but they use them as tools still. They are figuring out how to use them through cause and effect without fully understanding what it is or the science behind or, or like the technological sociological implications of the fact that this stuff is here, you know? So it's very, very interesting. All part of Mark Lawrence's, uh, use of setting and science fiction uh, inspirations to make these moments very unique to his style. Yeah, it's incredible. He does this in his other works, as you mentioned, Charles, where we get moments that if you took us completely out of context, 
and just said, hey, this happens in a fantasy novel, you'd be like, that probably is very jarring and makes no sense. But because they happen in Mark Lawrence's work where he's been building toward these moments for long stretches of time, they feel totally natural. But if I just told you, hey, there's a fantasy novel where a character uses technology it's like a medieval type setting, but a character uses technology to control a sort of like satellite mirror up in the sky to send the like a the sun's rays down through like onto the earth, <laughs> like a magnifying fry. glass on an yeah. anthill, you know. <laughs> yes, like a magnifying glass on an anthill. You'd be like, what happened in this medieval <laughs> fantasy setting? Yeah. Like, and no, trust me, it works. <laughs> yeah, it works because they're in that, like, we can flash forward to that moment, right? Because they, you know, um, Nona takes over Ruli. They use the flaw blades to kill the lady. And then. Um, well, they use them to kill. Uh, oh, my God, I'm blanking on Shirzal? that. Or no, Skithro? Shirzal? What's her name? Uh, Saf- Safira. Safira, and they kill yeah. uh, Shirzal using the wire trick. Right, because um, she escaped and she checked for the lasers, and she's like, "Okay, I, I um, untripped the lasers and then fell for the wire blades, which we remember from um, from Nona's tests there." So, yeah. yep. So she's gone, and that was a, described in a pretty violent way. Like she basically turned into like a mist of red and like fell in pieces and stuff, and everyone was like, "Whoa, that's kind of intense." And um, we get to the control room, which is the interesting part of this, right? Where, uh, well, they actually, no, 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 no. I'm getting ahead of myself. Because they meet uh, what they think is Zol. Yisht. Yeah. They're like, it's <laughs> Yisht. And then and then Zol's like, nah, it's not Yisht, it's me. <laughs> and you're like, okay, that, that was wild. And um, yeah, she brings the other remaining ship hearts. And they're talking about like, um, yo, now that we've got all four, we can go in and control the thing or whatever. And I'm pretty much pure now as well. And so like, oh, cool, 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 cool. And they go to the control room and they activate it and they realize the implications of what they can do. And there's like this computer that talks back to them. It's like taproot. Yes, taproot, which um, is a callback to the tree that is um, the ancestor, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so yep. very interesting there. And then they're debating, like, can we use this technology? And the computer's like, yeah, sure. And and then, <laughs> and then Nona's like, well, like, could you kill so many with a touch? Like, can we do this ethically? And Clara's like, oh, yeah, in a heartbeat, <laughs> 100%. And she tries to do it. And then the computer's like, only... Uh, someone pure can do it you know and so and that's not clara charles that is not clara the only one who qualifies currently is zol and um yeah it gets into these implications of like you know what are we going to do and what's the right thing to do kind of the decision of like when you're thinking about pressing the button for a nuke like is this something that is morally okay to do and they're debating it in the room, right? They're like, aren't all of us brother and sister? Should I murder them for the sake of pride? Or should I accept that the ice has narrowed and that there is a new order now? Basically, like, look, we already pretty much lost this war. Everyone's dead. Like, why would I just kill a whole bunch of people when the outcome's the same, right? That, that's what they're debating at these moments. And it's good points. Claire's like, let's just kill our enemies because, you know, it's either them or us. And no one is thinking of the larger implications. Maybe taking the black has had this effect on her where she's like, well, there's, you know, we're all the same in this 
humanity and we're all dealing with this, you know, this narrowing ice, um, you know, the ice is narrowing and she describes it as like a cage, just bringing these wild animals closer and closer together. And she's wrestling with these moments. That she is, Charles. And meanwhile, Zol has been completely stripped of all of her quote unquote flaws. And she can hardly see the point of any action at this yeah. point, which is, it's very interesting to watch Zol, who she says to Nona, in the end, none of this will matter, Nona Gray. And Nona responds with, it matters to me now. Yes. And I just love, I love that. I. It's also that a very that... Mark Lawrence pragmatic thing. And what we see in characters that I love too. Yeah, I mean, pragmatic, but it also has a heart, which maybe is is part of what Mark, makes Mark Lawrence's work so great, right? It's like that <laughs> it's so pragmatic with such a heart, I think, that it's like this kind of nihilistic view on things that is sometimes easy to try to take is like, like no one's going to remember. That's kind of what uh, Zol is saying is when she's looking at it without any heart and just with pragmatism, she's like, Hey, like no one will remember you anyway. In the end, like the universe will just keep going. It, it's like none of this matters. Big picture. Nothing has inherent meaning to it. And Nona goes, I think a step further by saying, yeah, that can be true, but we still have our present moments and our relationships and all this kind of stuff, and we have humanity. That's and right. And that's what matters, and it matters right now for the people around us, and I think that's the heart in addition to the practice. A hundred percent, and there's also this other conversation they're having of, like, I also can't make these decisions because of the devils, and then Jula, who kind of takes the side of, like, the purist, is like, devils? They're... Yeah. You're you're like she's she's described as being on the edge of hysteria when she finds out that Nona has devils because it's like a huge yeah. no no in the in the convent of Sweet Mercy and Nona's like well I also can't make these decisions because I have these inflamed mm-hmm. devils as well and she's trying to pass off responsibility to Ara and then Zol's able to like she's like I could remove those you know and she's like yeah. no don't remove them just put them back where they were so that I can continue to be me. And then they have that whole this conversation and it's like, you're going to make this decision like while being imperfect. And she's like, at least I care. At least it will hurt me. Whatever decision I make, at least I'm terrified, which is happening at the same time as the, all these other conversations we're talking about. So all these themes are coming to a head of like, yeah, I'm a human. This matters now to me. And whatever decision I make, it needs to be one that at least scares me, you know, because at least I know I'm making this decision um, honestly. And at least I'm ready to full on take the consequences of it emotionally. What than just like this, like, you know, not emotional, like you do or you don't, whatever kind of thing. It's like, well, there's some serious psychological consequences to like using a magnifying glass to burn a bunch of people. So they're weighing all of that. And that all comes to a head thematically here. For sure. And it harkens back to moments like when Nona was considering running the path basically forever after Darla died. And it's like, yeah, I don't want to feel the grief Mm. that's associated with Darla's death. But at the same time, like I do want to feel that grief 
because it won't feel good, but it's worth feeling because that's part of what I like owe to Darla as someone who's had that kind of relationship uh, with her and what I as a human am going to feel when I lose people close to me. This is why being a human matters. And I think that that fear that she wants to feel, Charles, it's much like the grief that she wanted to feel when it came to uh, dealing with Darla's death. So we've kind of seen this built as who Nona is already. Yeah, I think that's a brilliant connection, actually, that I haven't made previously. This you know, we had the same thing at the end of um, Grey Sister, the yeah. second book, where she's approaching this divinity or whatever, and and there seems to be this fine line. You know, Mark Lawrence created this setting, this magic system, where it's like, oh, you can rid yourself of impurities, or oh, you can walk the path and draw power indefinitely. But And Nona's one to have no problems charging full on into those things and embracing them and, and using them to protect friends. But it's that idea that she's using it to protect people. And then she always comes back to what matters most for her. And what a lot of cases Mark Lawrence is saying is what matters to humanity is this imperfect side of ourselves where we need to feel these moments of suffering or of sadness or of fear or of rage or jealousy because those are what makes things interesting and that's how we as humans navigate life. It's not so simple as stripping yourself of all your impurities right. and, and being pure because then you can't ex you can't have friendships. And, you know, there's quotes throughout the whole series where known as like, um, it doesn't matter if we all end because I'm ending with my friends. You know, like th those kind of moments have happened as well. Th these touch points of what it is to be human and like it's interesting to bring up some of those moments now and during this conversation where it all comes to a head. I think that's brilliant. Thanks, Charles. That, that's super well said over there. I, I mean, we know from, <laughs> from as far back as my friends pitching fantasy or from red sister, wherever you want to grab this, which is Clara says to Nona in the first book, you charge into everything heart first, expecting what? Yeah. And that's always been true to Nona's character. And if she's going to charge into the decision of what to do with the moon, she's going to do it heart first. And I appreciate that Lawrence does such a good job of maintaining what makes Nona Nona in every sense of the word, right? Or in every sense of the phrase, right? He's not yeah. going to let her strip herself of her flaws, but also has Nona grow. Uh, and we'll see that, I think, in a little bit when we do get to how Nona decides to treat Joelle. But first off, we, we should talk about what Nona does decide to do with the, mm -hmm. the, the ability to control the moon, which at first she basically just tries to say, go home <laughs> like she yeah. literally puts the words in skithril of go home up to um oh did we mention or maybe we did that zol has to give the moon to nona yeah we did um, yeah okay uh, so she does and nona writes go home up there and the battle queen adoma is kind of like no like we're skithril we're gonna fight all this kind of stuff so nona just zaps her with the like an ant in uh, magnifying yeah. glass, like you said, Charles, just disintegrates Adoma and all the people on her platform with her, 
and there's nothing left. And when the Skithril see that, and then the message appears again to go home, they go home. <laughs> yeah, and that's an interesting moment, too, because they finally retreat, right? She gave the warning. They didn't listen, so she cut off the head, the leader, right? And now they're running away, and I think it's like Clara and maybe Ruli. There's a few others. Oh, Jula, like... This is the last chance you'll get where they're all this concentrated. You can do tons of damage and just yeah. wi- like wipe them off the map. Like, why didn't you kill them all? Was a question that Nona was asked. And, you know, she thinks back to Abbas Glass, and there's this great quote that kind of sums up the whole experience mm-hmm. here. It was like, at sweet mercy, they made a weapon of me. They honed every skill into a sharp edge. They put a sword in my hand because there will always be foes who must be opposed, always violence that must be met with violence. But that was never the heart of sweet mercy. The ship heart wasn't the foundation of the convent. It was always the faith, always the notion that all men and women are our brothers and our sisters, and that faith doesn't end with borders. It doesn't care about heresies used to divide us or whether you speak your prayers to a white star or to the fields and forests and stones. And that, again, comes back to Mark Lawrence saying, there's a greater picture when it comes to humanity, and it's that we all um, are responsible for each other and our imperfections, but our love also. And that's kind of what she's getting at. Like, there's no need to kill all these people because we're all brothers and sisters, and the vengeance is gone. Like, the, 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 the threat, the leader of all these people, the war leader is gone and they're retreating. So let them retreat. You know, we're not here to kill each other and decimate each other. And, you know, that's parallel to her experience at Sweet Mercy. It's like this whole time she was expected to take the red. She was hailed for being a great fighter, a tool of violence, charging in with all her rage. But, you know, you know, she took the black and now she's all about it's all about faith now. And I think that's a touching moment. It is a touching moment, Charles, and we get to see that growth from Nona. And if it's not enough to see it on this kind of big picture level, we also get it demonstrated through that moment where Nona has Joelle in her clutches, basically. she's Joelle's been really awful throughout this yeah. entire time. And Nona, we've seen in the past, like what she does to uh, the... I'm getting all the taxes mixed up in my head, Charles, but the father of the taxes is... Tarmol um, Taxis or something like that? Tulin Taxis? I think it was a T. The dad? It do, I think it is a T, but I don't want to say it wrong. The point is, the character that is the father of the two ta- other Taxis is, and he... He was another one that Nona had at her mercy, and she basically decided to administer the worst form of punishment physically possible through the use of the harm. And we've seen Nona th- thermal taxis. Does that sound right? Um, that we've seen right. we've seen Nona reach the point now where when Joelle's in her clutches, Nona is able to acknowledge her own uh, devils or demons, if you will of anger and vengeance and this these desires wanting to come up and Nona has grown to the point where she's saying well yeah I'm going to feel that and it's natural and normal for me to feel those kind of emotions in this moment and despite all of those desires and distressing emotions I'm going to decide to do the right thing anyway which I freaking love from a you know, I'm in a counseling psych graduate program right now, and I am a huge fan of this acknowledgement of your 
emotions while still striving to do what we would call them maybe value-driven actions. So one of Nona's values is, uh, dare I say it, sweet mercy. Mm. And she shows that to Joelle. Right. And we get that theme of sweet mercy wrapped up with a nice pretty bow when we hearken back to, remember I said she'd come back, Abbas class. She's not done stealing the show. She has this moment where she's like, to sow knowing that you will not reap is an old kind of love and love has always been the best key for unlocking the future. You, my dears, are both the chosen one, but it's only me who has chosen you. Each of yep. you is a die cast against the odds. And Nona, my fierce little Nona, remember mercy. Mercy for others in victory. Mercy for yourself, too. You deserve happiness, child. Never forget it. So it's like, wow, all these things coming together. This idea of like um, the be- the key for unlocking the future is to um, just do good without benefiting from it. You know, that's kind of like a root and a lot of religions and being good and in humanity. And, and she's thinking this as she lets um, Julie go. It's like to Joelle, Joelle go. And, um, you know, Abbas Glass had this whole theme of like losing her son and dealing with the trouble of that. And she's like, and then I took on these students. They kind of filled that hole for me emotionally. And then I realized like there's a, all of humanity needs to treat each other this way. It's not just like, Oh my son, it's we're all brothers and sisters. So, um, yeah, she gets to steal the show um, one last time here at the end by getting these thematic quotes. That she does, Charles. So things are starting to wrap up in the story at this point. Zol and Nona kind of say their parting words. They're still friends, even though Zol, is she even <laughs> capable really of having friends at this point? Who knows? That's not really something we get to explore because she's off to seek her purpose, as is Nona, who is in charge of the moon until further notice now. And uh, yeah, we end up in this situation where we're cleaning up after the battle a lot of uh important folks have died in this battle charles mm-hmm. including a- apple we're sad to see go wheel and Keddy and a bunch more people uh, we know uh denim definitely bit the dust and the whole mm, thing poor and denim then yeah uh justice for denim and then his legacy re- lives on with the old kick in the groin <laughs> And a song, apparently. They oh, sing songs song about too. him fighting the Skithril. So Denim will never be forgotten <laughs> on this podcast or in the world, in the corridor. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. then we get kind of an epilogue, Charles, which takes place some point in the future. And we have this moment where Regal comes looking for Nona. No, still at the... Is at Sweet Mercy Convent, and she's an actual sister now. And then Regal comes by, he's sneaking around, and Nona has to dump Regal. And I, it yeah, was I hate time, to see Charles. it, but yeah, it was time. Yeah. I, I, I just don't feel like Regal could ever, you know, live up to like Nona's experiences, you know? No, there just wasn't that same level of relationship there with Regal as with someone else, Charles. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. we've had some moment. We didn't really touch on a lot of this leading up to it in our episode, but there are a lot of these small moments, either in Nona's own sort of perspective uh, or just 
a moment toward the end where Ara and Nona are sitting there and Ara's like, I'm thinking about the what could have beens. And we know by this point very well that Nona has very strong feelings for Ara. And we're getting the sense Ara has some strong feelings for Nona too. And they both deserve happiness, as Abbas Glass says. And we hear then that there's like one page left in this book book at this point when it's like oh and Ara had gone off to take over the Jatis family line because she's the oldest and I know when I was reading this the first time I was like oh man like <laughs> they're not gonna end up together after all this <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> uh there's a moment where right on that last page then Ara has returned she's given her right as ruler of the Jatis land over to her younger sister who always wanted it anyway. And we we get this beautiful moment with Ara and Nona where Nona's like, oh, you came back, that kind of bit. And then Ara says, we have a bond, mm-hmm. which is a callback to that moment we discussed a bunch in our Bound episode. That's right. And she says that to uh, Regal. She said, we have a bond, Nona and I. And then yes. now she's saying it to Nona. And I was like, oh, you're talking about the thread bond, right? And she's like, well, that too. I mean, there's always been, (laughs) yeah, there's always been something special. You know, there's, there's something about Aura when it, when it comes to (laughs) Nona. Uh, I mean, it's as if it couldn't, the wind couldn't make up its mind, which way to blow, you know, (laughs) which is the line that follows that. That's the exact quote from Lawrence. (laughs) For a moment, they stood face to face, just an inch between them, the wind tugging this way and that as if it couldn't make up its mind, which way to blow. And then hand in hand, both turned and walked slowly back to sweet mercy. So it's like, eh, who knows where this relationship's going to go, but, you know, we're happy right now. And that's an important piece. And that matters to me now, Charles. <laughs> I think that, I mean, I in my head, they live happily ever after. That's what I wrote on our outline, <laughs> and that makes a canon, right? That absolutely does make a canon. And, you know, like they always <laughs> say, at the school, I'm looking for the quote because I want to nail it 100%, and I have it right here. Um, if uh, the future is always built on a little faith, so <laughs> you have hey, to have yo. faith in these moments because that's how we build the future. <laughs> Beautiful, Charles. I have plenty of faith in Nona and Ara moving forward. Me too, especially now that they've um kind of gotten through all this craziness and all the mysteries of the ship hearts and all that i think they're in a good spot to to um be the future of the convent well well said charles well said um any parting words about this adventure that we've been on that has now finally come to a head of its own as we um go off into the into the next buddy read Mark Lawrence, if you did listen to this episode and you are still listening to this episode, first of all, thank you. Your endurance is impressive. Uh, Thank you for all your support, I would say, throughout this entire time. Charles and I appreciate it so much. I mean, we we can't even put that into words, how much we appreciate that. Yeah, this Buddy Read's been quite the experience for us more so than any other because, you know, we put an episode out and then, like, immediately afterwards we get to hear from the author and get their response and it's like, what is happening to the show right now? It's become more than we ever thought it could be. 
and that's so much thanks to Mark Lawrence and his support. So our, yeah, our gratitude goes out there and, and thank you, Mark Lawrence for creating such awesome novels that we, that we had such an, such a great time reading and yeah. Yeah. I have a lot of faith in the future of our buddy reads and that I have faith that it won't be too long before we cross paths again. <laughs> Beautiful. And I also want to say thank you to the listeners, Charles. Yes. You can't forget about those listeners. Thank you, listeners. Yeah. If you've made it this far, also impressed with your endurance. And and thank you so much. So I think, Charles, maybe we get that outro music pumping and and we call it a wrap on this awesome book of the ancestors. I think maybe you're right. And a buddy read wrap up, we shall begin. All right. Well, if you like what you heard here, y'all, you can talk to us, you know. You can actually reach out to us on a variety of platforms. Maybe the best place to go is Twitter, where we're at the FTF Podcast 1. That's the digit 1 at the end. You can also find us on Instagram, at the FTF Podcast. We're at the FTF Podcast on Facebook, too, uh, but... Uh, prefer instagram or twitter generally you can send us an email if if you're that kind of person and you, you want to contact us that way you can find us at the ftf podcast at gmail.com and i mean charles if they really like this show and they just want to be on apple Podcasts, what can they do they can toss five stars to our podcasts internet of plenty please guys if you like what you're here and you're listening on apple Podcasts. Toss five stars to our podcast. It makes such a huge difference, and you could be that agent of change that we're looking for. So that would be really great. If you like what you're listening and you're up for it, we'd greatly appreciate it. That we would. Thanks again, y'all. Thanks, everybody. And as always, go forth and conquer, friends.